Hi, this is Matt from Working Fintech, and today we're delighted to be joined with Hussein Azari, who has got a very impressive CV, um, studying at Harvard and Columbia, working at Microsoft and Google. His first company was acquired by Goldman Sachs and has now started a new company called Seamork, which is a consumer-friendly DeFi company. And today we're joined by Jack Singh, who's doing a master's in physics at Leicester University. Um, over to you, Jack and Hussein. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, thank you for having me, Matt and Jack. Uh, very, very excited about this conversation. Um, to, to kick things off, um, could you just give a bit of an introduction and uh, give a bit of a background on your career so far? Sure. Uh, as Matt mentioned, we are a, a consumer DeFi company. That's as opposed to consumer finance. We believe you can build a, a fully functional and better and more efficient uh, consumer finance system using decentralized um, uh, finance tools. That's why we call it consumer DeFi. That's our business focus. And my background is mostly around uh, uh, building consumer fintech um, and working around, obviously, uh, consumer-related products at Google. Um, and the first time I, 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 I was uh, kind of uh, thinking about Bitcoin uh, was back in 2011 when we were teaching a uh, course. I was a TA. And Bitcoin was a session, uh, it was $3. And uh, ever since it has been a really interesting phenomenon to observe and uh, uh, learn more. And we are super excited that we are now part of this community and contributing to it. Yeah, great. Um, so after graduating from university in Tehran, I believe, uh, you, you joined Harvard as a, as a teaching fellow and then later became a research assistant. Um, where you worked on machine learning and economics. Um, what was your experience like at Harvard and uh, what did you learn while you were there? Uh, there's just um, a lot of exposure to great minds, uh, lots of smart people. Uh, it was just an amazing um, opportunity to just listen to people who really have taught a lot about what they were talking about. <laughs> And, and uh, it, it sets you up for life to kind of uh, uh, see, see those uh, methods and uh, kind of try to be like them as much as you can. Um, so you mentioned Bitcoin was, what, $3 when you were at uh, Harvard. Uh, what was the, you know, um, perception of crypto and Bitcoin like back then? Were, were people speaking about it? What, what was it like? Um, it was a, a social experiment from the perspective that we were looking at it, and it was not the only one. Uh, like another big trend back then was BitTorrent, for example, and the whole idea of building decentralized systems uh, and decentralized uh, or distributed computing. Uh, it's a it's a big uh, academic research. Bitcoin was just this, you know. Uh, something that people did, it's cool, it's growing, let's watch it. Uh, but there still are many other topics in the space that uh, are, the full like the umbrella of space is uh, kind of called mechanism design and economic theory. And how do you build systems that incentivizes people to do the right thing without having a, a boss or a centralized agency? So, uh, and it was part of that. 
uh, and very, very obviously successful one uh, so far. Um, leading on from that, your, your career has obviously seen you work at uh, Google, Microsoft, and co- at Goldman Sachs. Um, while working at those institutions, did you see a change in attitude over time um, towards technology and DeFi? Uh, a lot of change in narrative, uh, but real attitude change takes time and a lot of will. And uh, I think, I personally believe it's better done on the ground with the startups uh, than, than big tech uh, companies uh, for two reasons. One is inherent to DeFi. This is about decentralization. Most of those entities are about centralization. And the second thing is just uh, the, the audacity to try things and figure things out, uh, taking your own risks rather than being boxed in a corporate uh, structure that limits that capability. Yeah, um, maybe expanding on that a bit more. Um, could you maybe explain the importance of DeFi for those who are unfamiliar with it and how you see it evolving in the future, maybe? Yeah, uh, decentralized finance is just simply a set of tools that enables you to do financial transactions without involving banks. So you could download Seymour app today, create a wallet on Ethereum blockchain, which is basically your new world bank account, but you control it. And then you could put your assets there. You could uh, hold stable tokens like USDC, which kind of represent US dollar on these networks. And then you could lend that, you could borrow against your assets, you could exchange, you could do all those functions in Seymour app and Seymour would not be using any of the uh, traditional rails. It, it absolutely uh, stays off those and only sends messages to the blockchain to uh, get those transactions done. We also don't touch customers' assets. So that's the empowerment part. So. Decentralized finance is creating an alternative option that it exists because it empowers customer. So as it grows, it will empower the people more. Now that empowerment could be the 1.7 billion who don't have access to the banking, uh, but it also could be the underbanked in US that has been screwed by the banking system, uh, getting charged all the overdraft fees and high APRs. Uh, Federal Reserve estimates 55, more than 55 million adults in U.S. are underbanked. Uh, um, our banking system is charging American consumer excess of $100 billion uh, in, in interest fees and excess of $7 billion in overdraft and other type of fees. Uh, just to put this in perspective, $120 billion was amount of the one of the first stimulus checks that went to Americans to pull them out of the largest economic crisis of our time. Now our banking system is sucking the same amount of blood from that consumer. So, uh, uh, and uh, while there could be alternatives uh, that can provide uh, lower rates and better banking for the consumer, just because now we could use more technology and less operational sophistication uh, that causes the banks uh, uh, to charge the consumer and charge the consumer with lower income more 
which is kind of a, a backward business model that unfortunately uh, it is there. So uh, DeFi is there to empower people and we are the platform to enable more of these uh, consumers to start on DeFi, learn about it and use it. And, and do you see your platform and app being an on-ramp into into DeFi? Because one of the things with cryptocurrency at the moment, it's not used heavily for actually just buying goods and services in the in the physical world. And you're you're talking about all the. It makes a lot of sense what you're saying about banks taking money via overdraft fees and high APRs and so on. But people won't switch all their money into into a wallet just yet because they can't spend that money in the real world. I have to keep converting it back and so on. What's what's your view on that? Well, uh, our app has a transfer functionality. It works just like Venmo. You could send people uh, money with their phone number only, as long as they also have a wallet on Seymour. And the fees are zero. You could, like, one of the uh, fun examples I show people is I send, like, one thousandth of a dollar over this network. Uh, uh, and uh, it works for uh, for that amount. It works for a million dollars or you could send other transactions, uh, other assets. So uh, those type of functionalities are already there. So um, in my view, it's not a matter of uh, uh, the, the technical capacity to do those transactions. It is a matter of uh, telling the people what this is and, and growing as it grows. Think in 90s, uh, Jeff Bezos is starting Amazon. Um, you didn't need to, you know, uh, kind of uh, worry about the bottlenecks of a business like Amazon <laughs> uh, uh, basically taking over the, uh, the delivery market. At the moment, what you needed to worry about was, uh, are we telling enough people uh, about this and showing them how to use it? And because there's a superior technology and better product, it will just keep growing on its own pace. So the idea is to tell people more about empowerment here and how they can use it. Um, other than that, uh, as the vendors move on to this platform, people move on to this platform, they will just do all those transactions inside the ecosystem. And that will be a transition from the current system to, to the new one, uh, we our goal is to get to a billion users. We think it's going to take a decade, but once you have that type of um, engagement, then a lot of the economic activity stays in your ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so your previous venture, Clarity Money, was bought out by Goldman Sachs, I believe, for a hundred million. Uh, when founding Seamork, um, what lessons did you take from Clarity Money? into CMORC and what challenges have you faced already uh, while starting this DeFi venture? Yeah, I think uh, the big lesson I learned through that experience was uh, current financial system limits you in building fintech in two ways. One is the rails are legacy. They've been built like 40, 50 years ago and they haven't been really updated for the new world we live in. 
uh, the, with the social media and like everything that's on your phone. So the second thing is the business models that are built around these banking services. And no matter how much you try, you are just uh, kind of, you know, uh, to use this a little bit lightly, but it's just like putting lipstick on and a pick. So with, uh, with trying to build fintech. Now, there's a lot of great fintech out there and kudos to people who build them and help the consumer. But really to go deep and put consumer first and make a big change of uh, the magnitude of like having a billion users on a platform, it's not going to happen on the current rates. So, and that's why this is basically, we, we talk about this, that as this is American dream for all. Like this is our next wave of building a financial system using these rails that can uh, be inclusive and bring more people to the, the way we like to live. Uh, like with a, with a free, free market and with a uh, growing economic activity platform, not, not with some legacy system that technically is limiting and business model-wise it is charging lower income more than it's charging higher income percentage-wise uh, and all those stuff that it's pretty tough to get rid of them if you're in the traditional finance space. So... Um, the lucky thing is we have we have a feasible uh, technology to use to build this parallel financial system. So that was my move from traditional finance to uh, to DeFi. Yeah, absolutely. No, that no, that that definitely makes sense. Um, there are still a lot of areas in the the digital asset space which needs, I guess, sorting out or ironing out before we see real mainstream adoptions such as user-friendly wallets like you're building at the moment um the blockchain trilemma uh, decentralized identities is there any particular area of DeFi that you're really interested in um that you can see you know becoming massive in the next couple of years or decade well uh what we are super interested in, in consumer DeFi and building a consumer finance system on these platforms uh, because of the low operational costs and accessibility uh, all over the world. Uh, but this will happen putting all those innovation together. I think what really supercharges us is uh, the just the amazing innovators and the number of them out there that are just building new financial tools and systems on these platforms every day. And what we do, we basically build on top of those so and enable uh, the world to use these. So that's the super exciting part that we don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be great and we will be enabling people to use it. We just build that culture and attitude in our company to stay on top of this trend and uh, as things come out, we make it available. Now, our, our system now supports Polygon, and we have like zero fee trading and zero fee transfer. It's all on Polygon. Uh, with the speed of like this space moving, you cannot be a corporation that waits a year to like onboard these type of stuff. We just stay on top of it, and we do we do monitor the next big thing. And I think that's the that's the powerful angle that. It's just a lot of innovation that we will benefit from, and you have to be very open to onboard and enable people to use them.
with such an impressive CV, um, I'm sure you know the the listeners that are in the early stages of their careers, students and graduates, would love to hear some advice. Um, what uh, what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, and is there anything that you would have done differently if you could go back? Uh, well, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, so it's, it's it's kind of you to like uh, uh, um, uh, to phrase it that way. I think uh, the big part of whatever I have been able to achieve uh, was because of the people around me, people I've worked with, and uh, just I would just focus more on building those relationships from early on. Uh, some of the big changes or big uh, you know impacts I've done was through basically those initial relationships and people who I work. I mean, I didn't even you know maybe. I like work that much with them, but uh, but I just uh, made sure that uh, I uh, kind of learn from them and uh, build a good team around you. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how uh, how, how much knowledge you have or how how correct you are about these trends. Uh, what matters is if you have the right team to execute and build things and show the world that things work. So um, I think building more on that. Uh, is is like it's a team sport so anything you want to do and like while you gotta have the attitude yourself to do well you have to be able to uh, really uh, be part of the team and build it over time is there any um with those soft skills and, and networking and communication and team building and so on is there any other skills that um, young people can be looking at acquiring now, be it coding or learning how certain protocols work or, or, or different types of exponential technologies, which are quite early at the moment, but in three, five, ten years' time will become mainstream. Is there anything that, that you see that you think people should be aware of? Um, yeah, I mean, um, I think... Um there is a maturity period for these type of technologies and they move fast and change. So, for example, if you were you were uh, working on the, uh, the, the, the contract layer of Bitcoin, which actually exists, so, but it was, it was such an idea, great idea, like a couple of years ago, but nobody now talks about it. So things move fast. So learning technologies is definitely good, but not going too deep. But I, I, I think understanding the trends and being able to uh, build on top of what is kind of the best and being able to move on and do the next thing uh, uh, and focusing on consumer. So at the end of the day, this is a very powerful technology. We just need to uh, make it usable by billions of people, not millions, not tens of millions, but, but billions. So. And with, I think that attitude needs a lot of consumer-centric thinking while understanding the technology, but not, not being like too deep that you don't see the trends uh, that are changing. And, and to finish off, obviously, it sounds like you would like to be remembered for having a billion users and helping consumers be more efficient with their wealth and spending and saving and, and using these technologies from now going forward. Is there anything um, that you you feel that um, you have still yet to achieve and you would like to be remembered by? 
Well, I look, I think there will be a, a platform with more than a billion uh, users, which will be in consumer DeFi. Uh, that's the, I have no doubt on uh, about that. I just want our team to be leading that and to be part of this revolution. Uh, but uh, to me, the power of this technology is there. And when I say a platform with a billion users, uh, I know it will happen. So uh, what I think we want to be uh, remembered is a, a, a company that thought about this, put this like in front and center and worked hard toward it. And that's what we do every day. And I believe we, we keep doing that. We'll be a big part of that story, uh, but it will happen one way or the other. And, and finally, one curveball in terms of academia, you spent a long time in academia in lots of esteemed institutions. What do you see for the future of academia and universities, given the, what, we, what we've seen in the last 18 months in the world with everything going digital and virtual and so on, and the technologies improving, the changes in uh, VR, XR, metaverse, you know, there's, 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 you talked about trends earlier and you're seeing those trends happening at the moment. Do you, what do you see for the future universities in, you know, kind of 20, 30 years time? Well, I haven't spent that much time to think about it, but, uh, I, I probably 20 years from now, uh, the folks who think want to think about things a little bit harder and spend more time on the intellectual side of it would still need to be in universities and would still need to be kind of part of those communities. Uh, big institutions like, uh, for example, Harvard is older than in this country itself. So uh, these institutions will exist and uh, they, they, they are the kind of the torch barriers of the, like the next big thing, like understanding and uh, as I mentioned, we there was a course that we would hand around like the the QR code Bitcoin. There was like hundred Bitcoins and like one one piece of paper uh, back in 2011. Uh, that this thing was so new, and and a lot of people from those classes uh, and those those educations are now doing uh, innovative things in this space. So uh, there's always that component of academia that you cannot ignore, but at the same time, uh, you should only go to an academic environment if you have a purpose. If you if you want to like, you know, learn about something or or, or you you have a plan. It's it's not. I I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it to like you know to go there uh, to just figure things out or like you know uh, you you ought to be thinking about something hard and that will lead you to the right and best people. And I think that that factor will stay around even 100 years from now, let alone 30 or 50. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Hussein. This has been really interesting to, to hear your story and hear your vision as well. Thank you very much, Matt and Jack. It was great chatting with you. Thank you. Thanks, Hussein.